The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. 911, what's your emergency? I can't find Captain Nash and his wife's cruise ship. Tonight, 911 comes to ABC. If we're gonna make it out of here, we gotta work together. Tonight at 9 on ABC, followed by 7 News at 11. She was hired to fix DC's 911 problems. It was the worst I'd ever seen. But instead says she was fired for exposing the failures. The blame belongs in leadership. Now the I-team digs into what fueled the mayor's decision. Tonight on 7 News at 5. Hey guys, Page Seven and Wizard and the Bruiser are going on tour. Yes, the release the butthole cut tour. Holden, where are we going? That's right. Starting in June, we are going to Portland, Oregon, Tacoma, Washington, Oklahoma City, Kansas City, and St. Louis, Missouri. Where can we get tickets, MJ? For tickets, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. What's that? One more time? That's lastpodcastnetwork.com. Yeah. Noise. Man, sometimes, you know, the only thing I miss about old Riverdale, and yes, I'm talking about seasons one through six, is the fact that it uh, it's just so batshit that you have to talk about it for an hour and even to just figure out what happened in the episode. And now these episodes are just so good that I just find myself, usually I take notes, I write down lines that people say, I'm not even doing it. I'm just watching the show. And then afterwards it was like, oh no, I didn't take any notes. That was literally my experience this morning. I I brought over my little computer. I was going to take notes and then I just became, you know, absolutely enraptured with the the themes of this show. Can you imagine if you had traveled back in time and told us when we started talking about Riverdale so obsessively with Marcus on the show that we had to add a new show called Riverdale Roundup because it was so sexy and murdery and high schooly and and cheerleadery and choreographed dancey. If you had been like, in seven years, you will be discussing Native Son and <laughs> and like interracial marriage in the 1950s yeah. in the United States. I would not believe you. And yet here we are. We are once again, we're going to try to not keep it like a college class here today. But uh, I think we do have to start this show by saying this is a Riverdale episode that once again takes on the issue of racism in America in the 1955. Yes, we are aware that we are two white people having this discussion. Yes. Yes. The big caveat here is that we are two Two whiteies, and uh, please, as always, um, you know, email us with your knowledge, um, your pushback, your own perspective. If you are listening to this, listening to us talk about this particular episode and the the various ways that it confronts racism in the 1950s, um, and if you you know want to add more to this conversation, we would very much welcome that because we are two people who talk about hot, sexy goss, and we are white, and we are here to talk about the Black Literary Society. Society that Tony started at Riverdale High in 1955, and the themes of interracial marriage and also communist accusations hurled at Brad Rayberry in this episode. There is a lot going. There's on a lot in going this on. Episode. And actually, um, before we even jump into the a lot that's going on with the um, like discussing racism in, in 1955, I also would be remiss if I did not bring up from last week's episode when we were talking about Betty talking like being forced to talk to an old creepy dude yes um without her consent to have to talk about these very explicit things and we were like oh i'm so happy this doesn't happen anymore guess what 
it does still happen. Yeah. And guess where? The LDS church. <laughs> I, I was not expecting it all to come back to Mormons again, but uh, doesn't it always come back to Mormons? Always on comes back to Mormons, dude. <laughs> it always comes back to Mormons. And I just want to shout out both um, Shayna and Caro for writing in about this. And also, again, for writing in, I just want to say explicitly thank you to both of you because you wrote in in a way that it wasn't like, MJ and Jackie, you guys are so fucking dumb. How (laughs) dare you say this doesn't happen anymore? No, you just explained to us that like from the age 12 and plus, um, like Caro said, in order to go to the Mormon temple, you're highly socially pressured to go. You have to undergo a one-on-one purity interview with your church leader and this is what Shayna referred to as the bishop's interview and the members are supposed to sit down with the bishop a position that can only be held by a man for a one-on-one with no parents and answer questions about their adherence to the law of chastity among other church laws um i just wanted to say that i'm sorry to anyone that is being forced to go through something like this, especially at the age of 12. I, I imagine it's very difficult to have any agency, especially when it comes to the religion that you are, might be being forced to abide by. And that's horrific. It's I, I was so um, pleased to get these emails because, again, it was a perspective that I had no idea about, totally flew over my um, radar. Does radar go over? Or under, yeah. whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah. Wherever th- it, my radar missed it. And it, yeah, it was one of those times when listener mail is so great to be like, this is my experience because my experience watching this episode with Betty where she's being forced to talk to this old man about her, her most private sexual thoughts is, you know, I just spent several years in training as a mental health counselor. And I was just thinking like, thank God there are so many like legal and ethical safeguards in place now to like, you know, protect kids from being put in a position like that. And that's not to say that uh, abusive dynamics don't like that don't continue to happen, you know, despite those safeguards. But just. Oh, yeah, because confessions still exist. But at least like you're not like forced in the room. Totally. And and certainly if you're talking about anything with public school, public money. And, Although sometimes and, you are. I take that back. <laughs> right. Um, but, you know, if you're talking about public school, if you're talking about therapy, there's just so many, uh, again, expect- explicit expectations about um, ethics and also just like liability. You should just not be an old man talking to a teenage girl alone in a room like in most situations, like, uh, yeah, uh, you know, especially like what Shayna continues on to say, every position in the LDS church structure is volunteer and there are zero requirements to hold a position of power like bishop other than adherence to church guidelines and standards of living. No degree, no training. Male members of the church will even rotate through every few years. So it's like so, there's no protections in place for potentially abusive people. There's nobody else in the room to make sure that no abuse happens in the room there's no expectation of privacy that you know if you're a if you're a school counselor for example like children don't have the same right to privacy that adults have which is like one of the kind of like murky ethical things where it's like if a child tells you something and the parent asks about that thing your kind of ethical obligation is to not tell the parent but also like legal but anyway all of this is to say that like there is a reason why like the last 50, 60 years, some safeguards to protect kids have been built up. And to hear that those are just not there at all in this particular situation with the Mormon bishop stuff. And yeah, not to mention, obviously, this happens in other faiths as well in terms of um, having an all-powerful person who kids would be afraid to question and afraid to confront um, and having that happen. But yeah, this was this was so fascinating to to hear about and again i think because the whole kind of point of this season of riverdale is to be like wow 1955 pretty different than now huh but also meaningfully to be like and in some ways not that different and i feel like that's actually another thing that i appreciate about this episode of riverdale they're not doing the thing where they're like racism that was a 1955 thing like i feel like they're really doing a very good job of being like this is what racism looked like in 1955 and and can't we understand it in a in a more 
real, more immediate way by looking at it through these characters who we know from the present day. And I feel like it's not like an it's not absolving the present day from these issues that it's highlighting from the past. And I feel like that's very special about this season. It's not like homophobia, a thing of the past, racism, a thing of the past, you know, abusive abusive adults to kids a thing of the past it's just like they're just showing what it looked like in 1955 and how sad of how much has not changed yes totally um and yes and that brings us to this episode the big themes of which were like boys who like cars and like and like black literary genius and 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 black only spaces and like it was just like so heavy and so dumb at the same time yes and if i could take a shot for how many times i said kiss 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 every time archie and reggie's face got close to each other as they talked about cars Mm -hmm. i was just like come on Mm -hmm. come on just once come on just get in the back of that car come on just once for me i know come on kiss well did you see yesterday somebody sent me um gay riverdale memes from the original comics from the original (laughs) archie comics and there's like a whole i'm gonna repost more today because they sent me a bunch and they're so good but it's this whole thing where you can just get panels from old archie comics that look extremely 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 gay um and a lot of them are between archie and reggie so it's not we're not coming out of nowhere with this idea that they should kiss it's obviously been part of the subtext for the entirety of the existence of the archie comics and the riverdale universe certainly has because well archie finally got his grades up and so he got his car back and that was a big to do because he's got a car now he's got his old jalopy and reggie wants to drive the car too because because Reggie also really loves cars Ugh. as much as he likes to kiss Archie. And so at first it's like <laughs> In this, my brain. this bonding thing where they're like, oh, we're two boys who love cars. Yay. And they pull up to school. Well, Betty and Veronica are discussing who would you choose between Paul Newman and Marlon Brando. And God bless Betty, who does a little fuck, Mary kill situation where she's like, I would marry Paul Newman. But if it was just for one night, I would Marlon choose Marlon Brando. Brando. Was such, I love horny Betty. Love it. Horny Betty is she's vibrating every time she looks at a boy. You can tell that she's just like. <laughs> yes, she is so horny, and uh, Lily Reinhardt is really bringing it as always. And so they look over as they're looking at these two pictures of Marlon Brando and Paul Newman. They look over at Archie and Reggie, and Veronica says, "Well, what do you say we go snag our own Marlon Brando and Paul Newman of Riverdale High?" Which, in that case, is Paul Newman Archie? Yes, and Reggie is Marlon Brando. Yep. Yeah, that's fine. I'll yeah, that's it. fine. Yeah. The, except the thing is, uh, I would allow it if this we were talking old Reggie, but this like farm boy Reggie, I don't know if he's much of a Marlon Brando. Just saying. Yeah, not yet. No. Right, he's been such a timid timid baby the whole time he still he he and veronica haven't even resolved the fact that she stood him up last week or two weeks ago whatever that was except that's what basically as they pull up in the car the girls are like "Ooh, sexy boys sexy car and then veronica goes up to reggie and she's like i'm sorry i stood you up and he's like hey i'm not afraid of the chase but some people don't want to be caught do you? <laughs> and <laughs> I thought that was a little, that was a kind of a smooth line. I was, I was in it. For and that. then infuriatingly, the most Veronica response ever is just like, you'll have to find out. And it's like, Reggie run. Yeah. I'm sorry, but she's, she's a walking red flag. Yes. She's the she wolf of wall street. <laughs> she you will gotta never be scared. She will never give herself to you. Reggie. She no. only cares about herself. She only cares about herself because like in just as easily that I'm like, oh, she's going to go with Reggie. I could see her just going back to Archie because they're endgame. And I'll never forget that they're endgame, MJ. And we haven't gotten any real... I mean, they have hinted that Veronica likes Archie and that we we got a little bit of that during the episode where she was like, okay, Betty, I'll help you get Archie. But since then... We certainly have, we've gotten a little hint that Veronica likes him, but we haven't gotten anything from Archie to Veronica. We have not gotten any mutual, explicit acknowledgement of any attraction between them. No. Um, and so I was curious, is there going to be, is is Archie coming coming back or is it going to be veggie, straight to veggie? I think, I think we're going to get, I think we're going to have a dappling of veggie before we get back to Varchie. I, oh, but see, I know they're endgame. I know they're endgame. I don't want a Varchie. <laughs> 
I don't want a Varchi. I want a Barchi. I know. I'm a, I'm I'm pro Barchi as well. I'm down with a veggie. I'm yeah. I I guess it's like I'm down I, with a veggie. <laughs> I don't even care about veggie. All I care about is Barchi. Yeah, man. And Choni. And Choni. I mean, as long as Choni are together, I'm I'm sated. I'm fine. I can handle anything. Although they're having a rough time too, because while the girls are going over to the boys and being like, eh, let's let's go on dates, and the boys are like, okay, um, Choni is over here you know Tony has really Tony has started her Black Literary Society um, and we are seeing the meetings and we're seeing another side to Clay which I appreciate because before I was like okay Clay is a bit of a one dimensional character here. Yes. he's just like the handsome slightly magical black gay boy who is Kevin who exists only to be Kevin's boyfriend and like Veronica's like sexual harassment object Yes, and so I was like I want a little bit more out of Clay and so this episode, they gave him another character trait, which is obnoxious guy in the literary group who talks too much. Yes. Which I actually was, I was like happy about that though, because I was like, make him a real person. So it's like, here he is, this guy who's like brought all of the, Tony and, and Clay are basically responsible for bringing like all of the, you know, anything new to Riverdale High, right? They're like, we are queer, we are black, we are like active activists, you know, um, and the and the white people of Riverdale are just like, whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. <laughs> All right. And so, but yeah, so so in this episode, we also get to see that Clay is the leader of the um, Black Literary Society that, cho- that Tony has formed called Black Athena. And he is like the obnoxious guy who talks too much um and of course there's a rich history there too right of like in in activist circles in the 50s and 60s where women were like oh great a revolutionary space for me too and the men were like "Eh, kind of but let me let me kind of take up the most space um and so that i felt like was you know was must have been a kind of purposeful choice to be like even in these revolutionary spaces other oppressive dynamics can play out and so tony's like clay won't shut up and Cheryl, meanwhile, is like, I feel kind of left out because Tony is so passionate about this group and I'm a white person and I've never read any of these books and I want to give her her space and respect that space. But also I feel like this is this huge part of this my lover's life that I'm totally, totally boxed out of and I don't know how to relate. Yeah. And I, th- I I think that they handled this pretty well. Again, this was like another sad Cheryl episode. She was so sad and so timid the entire time. But, but I do feel like they are very purposefully giving Cheryl this role of being like a white person in 1955 who's becoming aware of the way her own identity and her own, you know, privilege and power you know, it it informs her relationship to others. And so she's being very careful to be like, Tony, I know this is your thing. And I feel a little bit left out. And I don't think that means I should be able to come, but I just want you to know that this is how I feel. I want to say that they did it well. I kind of thought they did it well also because like, and the reason why she really feels this way is because Clay had already invited Kevin to come see him read something, like to read this poem. So that really triggered Cheryl and she wanted to, but I appreciate that she didn't like demand that she be invited. Yeah, She really did respect Tony and her space. I do think... That I, if it was me, I wouldn't go. But because again, it is their space. Yeah, and it's explicitly a, a a club for black students to talk about black literature, yes. specifically so that they can have a space that is for them where they can talk with each other. And so the fact that Clay was like, yeah, Kevin, come on over. But again, that kind of fits because Clay is like being the blowhard leader of the group. Right. Um, And Kevin is just thrilled. But then, yeah, of course, Cheryl is like, well, I'm a little bit hurt that like Clay like loves Kevin enough to invite him, basically. And I think that Cheryl is, it's not what I, I guess something that I appreciate, it was it wasn't really about I feel like this part of this episode was not about Cheryl being insecure about her whiteness, although you can see that she's grappling with that. But I feel like it was in her being insecure in their relationship. And I, I liked that, that it was, it was about her being like, I just want Tony to show that she like loves me enough to invite me to these things. Yeah. But also, I understand that this isn't my space. And, uh, and ultimately, just to jump ahead, they do resolve it by... 
Tony being like, okay, fine, you can come. And like, because I understand this means something to you. And so Cheryl reads Native Son, the book that they are reading that week, which is about a very wealthy family called the Dalton family. And Cheryl's like, I've never read a book like this, Uh, which is true. I still remember reading Native Son and like missing my stop on the subway repeatedly because it's, I was so in it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and she's like, I've never read a book like this. I can't believe I've never read a book by like this. And they ask her, have you ever read a book by a black author before? And she says, no. And she says, I read this book and I couldn't stop thinking about the ways that the Dalton family is like my family. And so she has this like super introspective, self-reflective experience about reading Native Son. And then immediately afterwards is like, thank you so much for inviting me to this space and I am not going to come anymore unless they are public events because I understand that this is your space. And I do feel like they handled that part very well. Yes, I think so too. And I, and I appreciate how they navigated it. Um, you know, they, they are, I think they're really trying here. I think they're trying. And again, they, they might not nail it every time, but like it would be easy to, not do this 1955 thing well and i did not expect them to do it well to be honest and it it seems like they're really they're really trying and again it's about cheryl being cheryl just wants you know to know that tony she just wants security in her relationship with tony because as we learned a couple episodes ago tony is a bit of a fuck about and she she doesn't like to commit and so tony is challenging herself to open up to cheryl well maintaining the you know, sanctity of this space that was created by black students for black students. And <laughs> meanwhile, Kevin is just like, this is great. I'm going to keep coming. But whatever, that's fine. Yeah, the fact that he was there at the next meeting, I was like, I thought that was a one-time only yeah. thing. I thought this Kevin, was... get out of there. Start a gay-straight alliance, Kevin. Yes, you know, and then you and yet. Cheryl can go start your gay-straight alliance and that will be great. Which Clay can also attend and then dominate those meetings too, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and this is all happening while you know the boys are now working on their hot rod more uh, and they're getting back to the so car. Into, back to the car <laughs> is it jarring to go from native son to the car to the because car. I, found too. <laughs> I found that a little jarring too but they're fighting about the car again and they're fighting about the car because then reggie takes which also i thought was a little weird but reggie took out veronica on a date and then just like didn't come home and so Archie like stayed up waiting for him in the middle of the night was like where'd you take my car yes and the parentification of Archie Archie becomes the dad the mad dad mad like, dad do you have any idea where you've been <laughs> yes and Reggie's like I went for a joyride which turns out to be a lie by the lie. way it was a lie that he said but that's what happened with his date with Veronica and then Betty and Archie wanted to go on a date and they had to walk. How dare they? But all of this leads up to them going on a double date, which please, I think that that I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. It did make me, I'm about to juke. So get ready for this. Okay. It did make me wonder if they're going to do guys and dolls (laughs) as, the musical what tell me how you got there well just because it's like you know the it's like the four of them and then they like and like they want each other's partners like that kind of thing Mm -hmm. and i wonder if that's going to be something that they play with because i was trying to think of like what 1950s musical are they going to go with Mm -hmm. but i really also wanted to give a shout out to riley riley wrote in and said okay Circle back to a few few weeks back when MJ was perplexed why basketball was in the forefront of the season when in the past Riverdale has always been a football town. What if the Riverdale writers are taking this golden opportunity to do the funniest thing possible and are setting up this season's musical episode to be none other than the highly mediocre high school musical as an homage to possibly the only group of people who stuck by their side since day one and that is us. Wow. <laughs> that is like <laughs> you, you know the meme of like the brain Riley thank you I'm with you that on this that is the ultimate galaxy brain take like this this season all of the things that are happening in the season are all for us I would, <laughs> it's all for us that, that's the version of reality that I want to live in if they if they do High School Musical 2 though I will be furious so I hope that that's not what they've chosen for us because yeah you know Guys and Dolls 
I was literally in the pit orchestra for a production of Guys and Dolls, and I don't remember anything about what it was about. I don't remember the music. I think it's fine. We like it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That would be fine. That would be that would make more sense than some of the other prominent 1950s musicals, though, you know. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes. The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. The savings rock when you find a new way to roll. Like sharing the ride to work. Even if you're commuting just a few days a week, Commuter Connections can match you with others who live and work near you. It's easy and free. Plus, you can get cash and other rewards for carpooling, up to $600 a year. Get rolling on a new way to work with Rideshare. Register today at commuterconnections.org or call 1-800-745-RIDE. That's commuterconnections.org. Some restrictions apply. Hey, have you heard the Virginia Lottery has a new Willy Wonka Golden Ticket Scratcher that has a top prize of $100,000? Tell that to my automated Golden Ticket Scratcher apparatus. You simply put the ticket in here, and the machine scratches it for you. And while we wait, we can play the Willy Wonka Golden Ticket online game with a top prize of $1 million. Just visit VALottery.com or use the lottery app. That's one impressive scratcher apparatus. Use it whenever. What's mine is yours. But hands off the scratcher. That Willy Wonka Golden Ticket is all mine. For over 130 years, McCormick has helped you make mom's lasagna to keep her secret recipe alive. Take over taco night. No matter how chaotic your day is. Conquer the bake sale. Even if you get to it last minute. And craft the perfect Sunday brunch when it's not even Sunday. Because with McCormick by your side, it's going to be great. I just can't wait. And apparently the next episode, I never watch the next week on Riverdale part. I never watch it because I'm just like, I like living in the dark. And um, but apparently it's the Halloween episode next week. What? Which is going to throw us for such a Why loop. would they do a Halloween episode in June? Because they follow the school year right. in the season. Right, right, right. Okay. Oh my God! Are, are we? Sh- and we don't know that there will be a musical episode this season. We just know that there might be because it's Riverdale. I mean, it's Riverdale. It's Riverdale. They always have a musical. I would. I mean, or like we said, or could be singing in the rain. What if it's a mashup of 1950s musicals, which I'm also very here for. It's just so funny because our interests overlap so much that really anything they do, we could say it's because of Page Seven. You know, <laughs> like <laughs> we can claim it no matter what. Um, but. Oh, if they did sing it in the rain, that would be great. But that really thematically has like nothing to do with anything that's happening. Yes. But okay, so yeah, all right. I I that is an amazing that is that is an amazing listener theory. I have to I have to process that. We are certainly being set up I mean, this is this whole double date was just a big cock tease though for everybody because oh, yeah. the girls are having fun with each other. The boys are just fighting about the car. Um, to the point that while they are driving, they're driving out, by the way, to see Fangs perform. And Fangs is ha- has a gig where all the hep cats and hipsters are going to be. And Fangs has been like, no, Midge, you're pregnant. You can't come, even though this might be my big break of a show. And so she's like, whatever. And so the 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 Varchi veggie Varchi and veggie are on are driving the jalopy out to the show. Car breaks down. The girls send the boys to go get gas. And then while they're waiting, Midge and Tony and who else? Who was the third bitch in the car? Was it Cheryl? Yes. Pull up and they're they're like, we're going to Fang's show. Hop in, girls. And the girls just abandon Archie's car. Man, abandon them <laughs> that- so hard because they got to go get gas. Yeah, and so. Uh, they just hop in with the girls and they have a girls' night going to Fangs' show and the boys um, go to Pops, get gas. Conveniently, Pop is like, hey, Reggie, I got an old car. You want it? You want to fix it up? And um, Reggie's like, yeah, sure, that's great. And so then they walk back with the gas can to find the car, Archie's car, completely abandoned by 
the girls. And I wish, I wish that this was leading up to Archie and Reggie kissing each other. Because I know. that's obviously what should happen. I know. It's what we all want. They're like in a cockfight the whole episode. Like the only satisfying culmination of a competitive masculine cockfight is for them to kiss. Yes. But now, like what also disappointed me, and can we pour one out for the fact that they were all going to go see this amazing performance done by Fangs and we didn't get to see it. I know. Why didn't we get to see Where it? Where is it? I was very un-Riverdale of that. I know. I was like waiting for it. And then like in the end when he's all like looking like a greaser, I was just like, I want to watch him perform more. Yeah. And then he checks in with Midge afterwards and he's like, thanks for coming after all, babe. You were right. I should have told you not to come. You're my lucky charm or whatever. And as he's talking to her, we like hear the echoes of what the performance was. We hear him singing like as a memory and it's like why you're Riverdale you love a musical number why didn't we get another scene where Fangs performed the scene where Fangs performed in the first or second episode was, was one great. of my favorite scenes of the whole season yeah it was great yes so that was really annoying and we didn't get to see Midge being there poor Midge you know she's a pregnant teenager in 1955 but she was there and I'll bet she had a great time yes I wanted to see it because a big part of their whole plot line is essentially Fangs is trying to become legitimate so that she can like bring him home to her parents and not just be like this is a greaser that knocked me up but you can say this is a greaser rock star that knocked me up yes he's trying to get signed by a label and there were some talent scouts at this show and it went really well so, and we didn't get to see it. Yeah, and we didn't get to see it. I truly don't know why they did that. And I like that they're making us like try to care about Midge more. But like, if you're going to make Midge happen, you got to give Midge a little more. They've never, ever given Midge enough. So to have Midge suddenly be this like really important person in Fangs' life, I'm just like, I don't like know her, you know, to quote Mariah Carey. Yeah, I I don't know her also to quote Mariah Carey. <laughs> Thank you for including that. Um I I don't know her either and in fact I I do appreciate that uh Shayna who also brought up the um who brought up the Bishop's interview earlier also did remind us which I definitely forgot about i was doing some riverdale sleuthing when i was reminded that midge and fangs dated in season one it was all on the dl but fangs was even blamed for her murder for a while since he was the last one to see her i completely forgot about that oh my god i keep thinking how i can't wait to rewatch succession now oh yeah and i feel like I gotta. I think we gotta rewatch fucking Riverdale. I honestly do. I don't know if Jeff could handle. It. <laughs> like, I don't know if he no. could handle me going back. That would be a solitary activity that you would have. That's to do. oh, that's lonely. I also i need i i need to bring up the fact of how we, what really got Jeff this. There was a couple of points that really got Jeff in uh, in this episode. One of the points was when Reggie goes to ask Archie for his car to take Veronica on a date. Archie is shaving in the locker room. And Jeff was just like, what is he, a divorced father? Why is he shaving in the locker room? He's 16 years old. No 16-year-old shaves in the locker room. Oh, yeah, you don't want to have any peach fuzz by the time you get to second period. That's not how it goes. What are you talking about? And so he just needed to, like, rant about that for a while. That's fair. And I... I mean, I guess it was fair, but I was more so I was kind of surprised at, at the the ire about it. <laughs> I had I didn't expect it at all. I was like, oh, do you not shave in locker room? I was like, I don't know. I don't know what happens in a locker room. You know, I gotta I'm gonna go out and say it. Archie was annoying again in this episode. Yeah, he was a little like, annoying. He was back to annoying Archie. Everything he did was annoying. So I guess I'm here for Jeff being annoyed with Archie because I was also really fucking annoyed with Archie in this episode. Yes. Stop caring about your car so much, Archie. Yes. And that's why also Archie later on says, like, I built it spark plug by spark plug. And Jeff's like, that's not a phrase. That's not that's not a phrase. No one has ever said that before. Why did he just say it? he's like, he's a car guy. He should know better than that. So there was I think that, yeah, you and Jeff really had the I didn't have quite the uh, the anger towards Archie that you guys had in this episode. And it all culminates with the Archie and Reggie stupid ass car plot line culminates in 
Reggie gets Pops's old jalopy that is just like, you know, on blocks and hasn't run for in forever. And he's like, oh, I'm going to fix Reggie's like, I'm going to fix it up with the help of Betty. And then Betty comes out in her coveralls Woo! and her sexy Woo! mechanics yep. outfit. And yep. Archie is very jealous. But who is he jealous of? Is he jealous of? Reggie hanging out with Betty, or is he jealous of Betty hanging out with Reggie? I think it's both, I think and it's I do like both. that. I do like that. I do also. Um, I want the the wardrobe department to know that we've got two shout outs for the wardrobe of every season, <laughs> and that comes in from both Jade and Elise. And I just want you guys to know huge shout outs. Um, just one of them even says uh, department because throughout the entire series they are always so beautiful. Everyone lo- looks so good all the time, especially Betty. I also just have a crush on Lily Reinhardt, but don't we all? I really can't get over how great the wardrobe on this show is. It's my favorite of any show ever. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Agree. I just needed to share. Thank you, Jade. And thank you, Elise, because Elise also is inspired by the fits of the season and is starting to get back into their pinup 50s outfits again. Hell yeah. I do love like it never worked for me, but one of my absolute favorite femme looks is that 1950s like housewife dress thing. Like I always, that is like the type of dress I've always been the most drawn to. And they just, they just look so good. Just so good. Um, But okay. So now that we've gotten the Archie, Reggie, Veronica and Betty shit out of the way, we got to talk about Jughead. Yes. We have to talk about Brad Rayberry and the death. And because we know it's not a suicide, and we do know that they just start hanging out in a dead man's <laughs> apartment. But, you know, Sheriff Keller basically deputized Jughead I guess. to investigate what happened. Um, yeah, shout out to this entire plotline, because we definitely get a lot in this plotline. Um, we get... <laughs> we get... Okay, so we find out a lot more about Brad Rayberry. We find out... That and, and by we I mean Tabitha and Jughead by snoop, snoop snooping around the belongings of a dead man in his apartment without the presence of police who who has died under suspicious circumstances. The police are like, just hang out in there, move around, whatever you want. It's, it's fine. fine. Touch everything. Yeah, just yeah. look. Um, but <laughs> so they're just in there, they're vibing, and they find a. Well, the, a couple of things happen. They realize that half of his paycheck has being is being sent to a PO box in South Carolina, and the boss at Pep Comics is like, "Oh yeah, like he always he always uh, asked that half of his money be sent there." And I think it was Sheriff Keller who was like, "Figure out like do we have does he have any family we need to notify." And so they find this picture of um, a young, uh, like a black and Which white. Which is a, it, the cop's job. Yeah. This is your yeah. job. What are you? Do, what are we doing here? Why are you giving this to a 16-year-old? I know, but we know that Sheriff Keller is a bad cop. He yes. is, uh, you know, I don't think they've made him explicitly a racist, but we know he's a phob- homophobe. And we also find out that he is... Um, not surprisingly, in 1955, a vehement anti-communist. And yes. so they, Tabitha and Jughead find this picture of like a young black woman. Um, and it has a, a, a her name on it, and which is June, June and a date. And they realize that this is Brad Rayberry, who is a white man, um, it, that it's his wife. And so they call her and they notify her. And she comes. These two 16-year-olds, and- <laughs> yes, call the wife of this person who is dead to let her know. <laughs> to let her know. And um, she's just like, yeah, I'll come as soon as I can. And Jughead's like, that's fine. I'll just be in this apartment whenever you get here. I- I'll be ready. And she comes from South Carolina, which to wherever Riverdale is, which we still don't really know. And she's like, yeah, we were married. Um, but, you know, at this point, it's 1955 and they've already been together for a long time. And she's like, it was, you know, it was a mixed interracial marriage and um, it was frowned upon. Um, and basically, we were targeted and harassed and we ended up basically temporarily living separately so that he could save money so that we could eventually like find a place together and be together, um, you know, in a better time and a better place, basically. 
And Jughead brings this information to Sheriff Keller to be like, I- I'm a little bit worried about what happened to Brett Rayberry. Like, this is what I'm finding out. And Sheriff Keller's like, well, how about this? Did you know he was a commie? Yeah. And did, <laughs> and did you know he was admitted to the psych ward? And so Jughead asks his wife and she's like, yeah, he was admitted. He admitted himself to the psych ward because of like post-war, like mental health trauma. Um and he and that kept him from going to Korea. Yes, right. Oh, he was also a draft dodger. Yes. Um, and or, uh, Sheriff Keller alleged that that he was a draft dodger. Um, and he was. I think that they say he was a war protest. He protested the Korean War. Yes. Um, yes. And then I, I only wish I, Riverdale, please, you're doing you're doing a real good job. I think with the anti racism stuff. I only wish that she hadn't been like. Yeah, he was he had a communist card, but it was because he was young and curious and he only went to a few meetings. No, own it. No, let he the can man be, a, be communist. a communist. Like, please. Like, why did they have to be like, no, he wasn't really a communist? Girl, let him be a communist, please. Please, Riverdale. That was the one thing that really pissed me off. They like apologized. Oh, because great. of course, yes, in 1955 people were accused of being communists and that was the way to spear yes. them and ruin their lives. Yes. And so I get that it's like being accused of a com- being a communist was terrible, even if you weren't really a communist, but also there were cool as shit communists doing awesome shit back then. Yes. A really important part of American history and not something that should still be like re encoded as something that was shameful to be. And so that was my only, you tell them MJ grievance with this episode. It's good to be a communist, especially in 1955, but don't worry. He wasn't a communist. He was just curious. He dabbled. He dabbled. And yeah, so that's their meeting with June. And then she's just like, by the way, are you guys going out with each other? And they're like, (laughs) and they're like, no, 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 no. We're just friends. And she gives them like a knowing smile. And she's like, all right, well, I wish you luck. Because, of course, if they do start going steady, Jughead and Tabitha will also be in an interracial relationship, which um, I gotta look up loving versus virginia but i think may have still been illegal in 1955 what year was loving yeah it was 1967 Damn. so an interracial marriage in 1955 between jughead and tapitha would have still been quite illegal jesus at least on the federal 1967 level. yeah man. damn i didn't realize it was that late i don't know this is one of those things where i don't know if states had legalized it oh um, okay gotcha prob- probably st- probably it wouldn't have been illegal in riverdale this is something i totally should know but i don't but the first like the, the first time it was legal on a national level was loving v virginia in um 1967 Whoa. which is just one of those things one of the many things about American history when you learn it and you're just like, oh, that's shameful. Oh, great. <laughs> that's oh, bad. Cool. That is bad. But so no, no more progress, though, this week on in terms of like the theory from last week about our Jughead and um, Tabitha going to like be in this apartment and start remembering. Are we going to get any hints of like, you know, the connection of, of 1955 Riverdale to the present day? We, we didn't get, we didn't really get any bigger term resolution on the bigger, um, you know, the bigger threads that have been sown so far in the season, except at the very except, end, right? Except for the, the milkman, milk yeah. because this creep, from down the hall, <laughs> this old bitch. I don't find this old that, bitch at all. You hate her. Oh my god! I, and and Jeff and I got into quite a conversation because so this old woman comes down the hallway with her cat, and she's like, "I know <laughs> that the man is dead, but I did hear the milkman come just before he died. So if he's got extra milk." <laughs> Can I have it? Would you go to a dead man's home and ask for his dead man's milk? If you are a crazy cat lady, yes. Jeff said that there's nothing wrong with it. He said that it would be wasteful otherwise. Yeah. And I was like, I would never go to a dead man's <laughs> home and ask 
ask for his milk. I mean, you're both right. She probably shouldn't have done it, but it would be wasteful to let that milk sit around. And how does she know there's milk? Because her cat loves milk. And he heard the jingle jangle of the glass milk bottles. And she said, oh, quite a late night for the milkman to come. Came at a a very strange hour. He doesn't usually come in the middle of the night. And she said, because he's a killer milkman. The milkman came at late at night, the night that Brad Rayberry, the night before he, he was found dead, I believe, and she knows that when he came because her cat heard the jingle jangle of the milk, and so this is when Jughead realizes, oh shit, the milkman, the same milkman who allegedly murdered, uh, what's her name, Ethel's parents. Yes, so... I wanted to have a quick jump back to a consp- to a theory from Shayna, okay? Okay. Shayna says, we know the milkman isn't Hal. We've seen his face. That said, Hal's murders in seasons one through three were all morality-based. This milkman seems to be doing the same with a twist. Ethel is in trouble for drawing horror scenes, and her parents get axed. Jughead is writing comics, a.k.a. Satan's picture books, and his mentor, Brad Rayberry, is suicided. So this obviously ties back to the school, right? What if the milkman comes for Alice next because Betty's being a little tramp? Likely completely unrelated, but I came across a graphic novel called The Milkman Murders about a sweet housewife who gets a strange visit from a milkman and suddenly decides to take revenge on her sinful and ungrateful family. Whoa. What if 1950s Killer Cooper is going to be Alice? Whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's a lot, Shayna! <laughs> Love it. Whoa. I love this. That that is a deep cut. Co- oh, there are so many literary references happening in this season. I know. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and it's such a it, they really threw they really fucked us up by showing us the milkman. Because if we hadn't seen him, we would be like, is it Hal? You know, like we would assume it was Hal. But that's why there's a reason why they're showing his face because someone right. must be behind yes. what he is doing. Yes, they're, they are not going to pull it. Was it season one or season two when we spent the entire season being like, who's the murderer? And then it was some janitor we had never even met before. And then it was that? janitor, not janitor, I'm because still, then yes, it was a juke. I still am <laughs> upset about that. I, I don't think it's going to be like, the murderer it's someone who you don't know about i don't think they're gonna do that again not in the last season. not in the last i season. don't think they would do that to us no they're gonna tie all these little threads together um yeah why is it why is it the guy from sabrina and why what oh i i don't i i, uh, I mean i'm excited that i don't know what's gonna happen like i really do not know and this episode they did they did set us up for like once again, they really set me up to want more. I remember we said last week that the episode kind of ended with like a bit of a blah, but this one was like, okay, Jughead, okay. now the Jughead gets it. Now we're going to start cooking with oil. Like, oh, yeah, please babe. get the investigation going. Let's like, get this, in it. I have enjoyed these last few episodes, but I do want more spookiness and I want more horror. That is the one thing that I really feel like has been missing. Like, like, yay for the like discussions about racism in 1955 and also bring in more killing. Like, that is what we are here for. Do you think Midge is going to die again? Oh. They can't kill her and the unborn baby, can they? I, d- I would be stunned if they killed a pregnant they girl. They can't kill an day. unborn baby. I they can't do not, that. Not, not in today's political climate. No, um, they can't do that. I don't think that they will kill Midge again, although how funny would that be if they were like, this bitch is dying again. Kill her again. You know what? <laughs> kill her again. She just gets the sides for that day and she's like, God damn it. Come on. Don't kill me again. Yeah. And where is Ethel? Like, and we did get a little bit of like Betty. And Veronica talking about how they're like parentless now, but they didn't really do anything with that this episode. Betty was just like, I'm really happy that my mom's out of my shit. So surely that's going to come back to haunt her. She was like, I'm doing great. Oh, I yeah. love not having a mom, basically. And Veronica no, was like, No, she's going to need her mom's. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And it's going to be, they're going to hopefully rely on each other and then maybe they'll start kissing. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, something fucked up is going to happen with the Coopers for sure. But how do the Coopers fit in with the milkman? I do not know. I don't know. I don't know, Whoa. but we 
are curiouser and curiouser. And thank you guys so much for joining us on this week's episode of Riverdale Roundup. I want to say thank you to everybody that wrote in. You're just, you're killing it with the theories. You really are. I love the shout outs. So just write in whatever you want. Yes. Any, any of your thoughts on Riverdale, I will read them. Yes. So if I didn't bring you up in today's episode, I just want you to know I still read it and I, I still absorbed what you said. And I just want to say personally, Thank you. Yes, I always wait until after we record to read any Riverdale emails because I don't want any of the theories because I love having Jackie read them to me. And that because I'm just not again, I'm just not one of those strategy people. I love watching mysteries. Gideon keeps making fun of me because we're watching Perry Mason and I'm like, but wait, why did they do that? And he's like, we don't know yet because it's a mystery. And I'm like, but. But shouldn't we like I'm just like so I'm so bad at watching mysteries. I'm like, I can't tell if this is something that everyone knows and I don't know because yes. I'm dumb or if nobody knows because it's part of the mystery. I understand. And he's like, it's part of the mystery. I had to ask those questions a lot when I watched Succession because I'm just like, I'm just making sure that we don't know if that's <laughs> a good thing or a bad thing. Right. Because I don't oh know what's God. happening. Succession, I understand about 60% of what they say. And yet we and love then, it. Yes. Is it. That's how good of a I show know, it is. I know. And the, oh, speaking, my last thought is, did you see, so there's a video of uh, of the Succession cast singing Say It Ain't So together. No. Which is really, which is really amazing. And then like, we'll move you to tears. And then now there is also, I keep doing these Succession Riverdale parallels in my brain, which is very embarrassing because they're very different shows, but they're, is a video now I have to make sure I'm getting gonna get the song right but there's a video of the Riverdale cast and I want to say they're singing Country Roads <laughs> but it's like it is so satisfying to see the Riverdale to see the TikToks of the Riverdale cast like hanging out together yes you know? and like Lily Reinhardt tweeted out like what Betty wardrobe items should I steal when yes. the show's over so like we're really seeing like the 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 little cast having fun together and it's really nice. Ah, we love it. We love it. And thank you guys so much for joining us every week so that we can continue to talk about how much we love it. And um, we love you guys. Thank you so much. And we will be back next week. Don't you worry. Bye. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors, you can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. The legends are true. With overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome back to our studio where we have a special guest with us today, Toucan Sam from Fruit Loops. Toucan Sam, welcome. It's my pleasure to be here. Oh, and um, it's Fruit Loops, just so you know. Uh, fruit? Fruit. Yeah, fruit. No, it's Fruit Loops. The same way you say studio. That's not how we say it. Fruit Loops, find the loopy side.